Hey, veterans. Welcome to the VA Claims Insider Podcast. We are veterans helping veterans get the VA disability rating and compensation you deserve. I'm your host, Air Force Service Disabled Veteran Brian Reese, and each week we share VA disability claim tips, tricks, strategies, and lessons learned to help you win, service connect, and get rated at the appropriate level, even if you've already filed or been denied. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode. Hey, hey, how's it going, Daryl? <laughs> Welcome, insiders. Welcome to another exciting Wednesday episode of Facebook Live. Um, we'd like for everybody who's attending today, go ahead and put a little uh, blurb in the chat. Tell us where you're uh, currently residing and let us know what branch of service you're in, what years, and uh, we'd like to hear from all of you guys. Yes, I'm so excited. I am moving to Louisville, Kentucky, and join it, or shall I say it correctly, Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville. Louisville. When I worked for the VA, I had an, when I became a rating specialist, I had a uh, instructor that was from Louisville, and he made sure every time, every you, you know, it's spelled Louisville, so I don't know why they say Louisville. I don't know. <laughs> We're in the South. You know how We're in the South, yeah. We make yeah. up our own words. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we got some people coming in here too right now. Mary, we got Semper, hey, Marvin Semperfy, brother. Semperfy. All right. California USMC. Hoorah. Hey, hey. Hey, we have Brian here too. What's up, Brian? <clears throat> the big dog in the house. <laughs> Kurt, Old Wine, Iowa. I'm coming to you out of out of Indianola, Iowa, right now. Another Iowan in the army. Army. Whoops. Yeah, that's me. But Your I, husband was in the army, right? Mary? My husband was in the army. My dad was in the army. My brother was in the army. The only the only person outside the army was my grandpa. He was in the Coast Guard. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Everybody else was army, like everybody else. <laughs> uh, my uh, my grandfather. I had a grandfather that served during World War II in the in the Navy in the Pacific, and I had another uh, grandfather who served in the army during World War II in Europe. And then my dad was a thirty plus year army man, which is why I joined the Marine Corps. As a matter of fact, <laughs> army vet Stacy Decker, army. I see Robert here in Fort Knox. He's right in the corner from me. What's up, Robert? <laughs> J.R. Ewing, 8393, Semper Fi. We got some Navy people. Chris, thank you so much for your service, Chris. Thank you so much. Oh, Jerry is from Fayetteville, North Carolina. That's... Um, where I was born. <laughs> Go Navy. Laura, right on. David Taylor, Semper Fi forever. Amen. Hey, New Braunfels, Texas. What's up? I bet y'all are enjoying, are y'all enjoying some nice weather? I could go on a tube right now down the river and just float. That sounds awesome right about now. <laughs> go float down the river. Yeah, did you ever do that? Uh, yeah, actually, when I lived in Arizona, went down to Colorado and, and I float. Yeah, I used to do it every August. In fact, just before I deployed to uh, Saudi Arabia, okay. we had done a float down and I got a little sunburn. So that I spent probably the first week in Saudi Arabia with bubbling blisters on me, peeling skin. That's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, I'd like to give a big shout out to all our Vietnam veterans that are uh, joining us. Yes, uh, welcome yeah. home. Welcome home. Thank you so much for your service. We have a lot of Marines in here. Hoorah. Awesome. I see Austin, Texas over here. San Antonio. San Antonio. All right. We'll see some of our retirees come out. 20 plus years. That's my dad. Was it? 
Mm -hmm. He'd probably still be in if it wasn't for my mom. <laughs> That's what I always say. <laughs> He's still a recruiter. He's still recruiting for the army today. <laughs> army Infantry, Colorado. Oh, look, another Coast Guard. Coast Guard from Virginia Beach. Right on. I think if I was in the Coast Guard, Virginia Beach would be a very good place to be. Hey, what's up, Rick Dowdy? Whoop, whoop, what's up? <laughs> Semper Fi. All right, Mary. Uh, yeah, you ready? Yeah, you want to tell them a little bit about yourself? Sure, I'll go ahead and get started. Um, hello, everybody. I am Coach Mary Aaron, and uh, a little bit about me. I started with VACI about a year ago, um, and how I got into VACI is through my family. VACI actually helped my father and my brother increase their rating. My brother is currently at 100%. My dad is currently at 90%. And I get the honor, you guys, to help my father get to that 100%. And it has been so amazing having my father as a client, right? And trying to have that client role with him. And it's just <laughs> awesome. Does he listen to you? He does, but he missed. So I called him like, hey, dad, we were supposed to have your strategy session. Um, did you upload your documents? <laughs> <laughs> no, baby girl. I'm like, it's all right, dad, you know. And But that's just how I am with everybody. You know, it's all good. Life comes, whatever. Like, get back on my calendar. I'm always free for you. I'm always available. Um, and so that's just, you know, I treat him like a client. You know, it's whatever, dad. Um, but anyways, my husband's also in the uh, army right now, and uh, I have a background in communication disorders and also in journalism. And I finally come to realize that background is because I want everybody to hear the truth and to be able to tell the truth. So that is, I mean, and it's so amazing that I get to be here at VA Claims Insiders and honestly live that out. That is just beautiful. I'm so grateful to be here. But you don't need to know anything about communication disorders right now. The reason why we're here is to learn about how to file your claim or no, I'm sorry, not how to, but what happens when you file your claim. And we got like the most amazing brain here with me, coach, well, senior veteran coach, Daryl McDonald. Please tell us why the people need to listen to you right now. Well, first <laughs> off, Mary, I'm more than just a brain, okay? I have feelings and emotions. Just kidding. Just kidding. I have a beautiful face. <laughs> <laughs> I hide it. So um, I started off life as a Marine. Um, got out of the Marine Corps after the first Gulf War, kind of fought my way up to 100% on my own. I was actually a high school teacher. I taught high school history in Arizona, and I was also a head football coach in Arizona and in Iowa, both. Yeah, high school football, there's nothing like it. No. Um, just the pure rawness of the sport, it's awesome. Um, I did that until I got my 100%, about 16 years it took me. Um, quit teaching, uh, went to work for the VA. So, uh, yeah, I know, right, for the VBA, the Benefits Administration. And, and people do need to know that there is a difference between the Benefits Administration and the Health Administration. So um, went to work for the Benefits Administration, started off as a, a veteran service representative, and we'll get into talking about that um, a little later. Uh, worked, I did that for a couple of years, and I became a rating specialist where I was actually rating veterans' claims. I did that for six and a half years. And then uh, I became part of, after that, I became part of the management team at the regional office, at the local regional office. And that's where I was kind of working when I was in charge with the uh, public contact outreach. And I also worked the adjudication team or the post development team after that. So I've got a pretty good working knowledge of the ins and outs and what happens with your claim after you file it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing my knowledge. Now, my knowledge, I did quit working for the VA in 2019, October of 2019. Um, so some things have changed, but for the most part, it's still basic information and uh, came over to VA Claims Insider because I, I, I wanted to hear the veteran's story, not just read it. And I get the opportunity to do that here. Plus, 
um, kind of use my knowledge and guide them into what they can do and what they can't do, essentially, um, which is very fulfilling. So that's, that's my story. Yeah. Give me a mindset. I'm sticking to it. Uh, right. So, okay. So you said that you were a Raider and then you spoke about other positions, but what are the three major roles of the VA? The three major roles that are in the VA, the, the veteran service representative or VSR. Yes. Then the RVSR, which is the rating veteran service representative, also known as the Raider or the rating board. Um, and then the third position would be the adjudicator. Um, and they're the ones that uh, actually release the money or have the money released when you're granted service connection. And, you know, when you when you wake up in the morning after you've been granted service connection, you see that magic dollar amount in your in your bank account. They're the ones who release those funds. Cool. Awesome. So you've been those. Yeah. We got some yeah. good here. Yes. <laughs> okay. So what happens to your claim after you press submit? After you press submit and when you fill out a 526EZ, which is the form on va.gov um, for a new claim or an increased service-connected claim, that claim, once you hit submit, it goes to uh, Janesville, Wisconsin, which is the intake center. And then from Janesville, Wisconsin, um, if, if you're a first-time person claiming or filing a claim, um, you'll, they'll go after like your service treatment records, your private, private treatment records, personnel file, any pertinent records that, that there may be, okay? Interesting. Yeah, and, and we all know how important those paper, those those files are to have. Um, you know, veterans try to get our, their service treatment records. Well, the VA actually has, they have a way of getting those through the intake center or through uh, the National Archives that they're just beamed over like automatically, you know what I mean? They're just there. Um, but not automatically. It may, it may take a little bit, you know, a couple of days or whatever, but so from there, after all of that, it goes up into a magic cloud where, like I told you before, sometimes if you look outside on a clear day, you might be able to see that cloud. I see it. <laughs> but not really. Um, so it goes into a cloud. And uh, this is something the VA kind of started a while back. Uh, so it used to be when you filed a claim for service connection, your claim would go to whatever station of jurisdiction, also known as SOJ. So it would go, let's say, for example, you lived in Iowa. Your claim would go to the Des Moines Regional Office, okay, where it would be worked from start to finish. All right. All right. Well, they stopped doing that. Um, now it goes up into a cloud, and and from there it takes all of the regional offices um, as they as they uh, as the regional offices come online for the day. Um, it does what's called a drop. So it'll drop from the cloud, and and the way it's referenced more or less is like a. Uh, like a, a different buckets, like a waterfall with different buckets. Mm -hmm. So at the very top, you have the cloud, all right? And then you've got all these regional offices have their buckets underneath there. So when when you need claims, you turn on your spigot, claims come to your station, okay? Does that across the board for every station. Now you have, um, in there, in there, your claim may go, you may live in, you know, you may live in El Paso, Texas, but your claim's going to go to Alaska to get worked. Or you may live in Arizona and it's going to go to New York to get worked. So it's, there's no guarantee it's going to be worked at your station. All right. Yeah, and that's that was a big change. And it actually, it actually helped speed up the process because, you know, unfortunately, there are some stations that are are a little behind other stations that, that uh, you know, you have a lot of veterans. Let's take Waco, for example. There are a lot of veterans that live around that Waco area. So they had a lot of claims to work and they uh, they don't necessarily have the manpower to work all those claims. So now it's an even distribution across all this, the regional offices. Right. So it's pretty cool. Oh, well, this that has been an adjustment. It's always good to hear good news that the VA is doing, you know, because we, we ultimately do want the VA to benefit, you know, every single one of our veterans. So that's great. I'm glad we got through that. Um, and then... And then <laughs> when the station gets the, when the station gets it and you know what, Mary, just to hit on something real quick, I agree. Um, you know, the, the VA for the most part tries to take steps in the direction of, of helping out as many veterans as they can help out. Now, you know, with that being said, there, there are still good offices. There are still bad offices. 
Okay, there it goes. It goes. Uh, you know, it goes both ways. So they're good raiders. They're bad raiders. There, there's. You know, it just happens that way. It's just like any other field. Okay. So from yeah. So from there, depending on what kind of claim you have, the station now has their buckets. They have their VSR bucket. They have their RVSR bucket. They have their post team bucket, and they turn on the spigot. So. You know, if you have 10, 10 VSRs and they each have to have 10 claims in their queue, but you've got one that's got one claim, you got one that's got two claims. Now those now those files drop in to even out the buckets across the board as far as the, the different teams go. Okay, so um, you may submit your claim, your new claim. It comes into the overnight bucket, drops down into the station bucket. Now it drops down into uh, VSRs, uh, what they call work queue. All right. And now the, this whole process is called the National Work Queue is what it's called, NWQ, National Work Queue. Um, so now the VSR has your claim, okay? Um, and there, there's one of my jobs that I had was actually, um, they, they have a system called VBMS or Veterans Benefit Management System. Okay. And one of my jobs was to make sure that each VSR had so many claims in their bucket and each claim only stayed there a certain amount of days. Um, same way with the RVSR team, their claims only stayed there a certain amount of days. And then the same way with the post team, that their claims only stayed in there a certain amount of days. And those were called timing queue, okay, TIQ. And each station has a timing queue requirement. All right, and I know I'm kind of jumping around here a little bit, but uh, so we'll get back to the BSR, Veterans Service. Yeah. Go ahead. So he, the VSR gets your claim, and this this is the raider. This is who we refer to as the raider. Uh, the VSR is just the veteran service representative. He's the one that gets, or he or she is the one that gets all your evidence and everything ready for the raider. Oh. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm ahead of you. <laughs> yes, you are. You've already you're already getting that claim adjudicated and moved on. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I know why veterans feel why they feel. I thought we were right. over here. I got to bring it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let me walk back. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so the VSR's job is to get that claim ready for the rating board, which means they have to gather evidence. Uh, they have to go through that evidence to assure that, that all the information is there. Um, in some stations, the the... In some stations, the um, the VSR is the one who actually schedules the C&P examinations um, because they go through the file, they go through your service treatment records, they see if you have that condition in service. You know, we talk about the clues of triangle, right? Right. And and what were the three things for the clues of triangle? What were they? The three things for the clues of triangle: you need to have an event in service, mm -hmm. you need to have a current complaint, right, and then you need to have that nexus statement that links your current complaint to your event and service. So what the VSR is doing is they're looking for that event and service in most cases. All right, and then they're determining if you have a current event by looking at um, any of your VA out, outpatient treatment records, um, any kind of private treatment records you may have submitted. Um, in some cases, merely a statement stating that you have a complaint. Um, and then, so they're setting up that examination so the VA can draw that link, linking those two things together. Right. Um, it would be better to just go on ahead and gather those documents beforehand and provide them for the VA. Absolutely. Outside of the VA treatment records, what the VA has access to, the VBA does have access to them. Mm -hmm. um, they're called Capri records through the VA and they're called VISTA with the VHA. But it's the same records. Um, and every VSR and RVSR has access to those records through the Capri system. All right. All right. All right. So um, the VSR will also request documentation. So if you file a claim and you get a letter or you see an e-benefits that they're they're uh, they're in evidence gathering stage, um, which I'll, I'll tell you guys right now, I'm not a big fan of e-benefits because there seems to be a lag in there and it is not always accurate. Um, but they they'll uh, sometimes you'll see it in that state for a long time. And then you'll receive a letter from the VA saying they need something. Um, I know there's been a huge uptick on wanting to have DD-214 sent in. Um, but if you didn't provide private treatment records or you didn't provide, 
you know, sometimes they'll reach back out to you and request information, which you're absolutely right. You want to do that ahead of time. Get as much information to them as you can ahead of time because then it saves time on the back end. Yes. And now that you're a veteran coach, can definitely provide guidance for you. So if you haven't already gotten with a veteran coach within the company, please go on ahead and sign up. We're here to help you. We're here to help you guide you to that evidence and make sure that you have it so you're not waiting on the VSR to do things for you. You already got things done and you have proper guidance. Absolutely. And that's also where those those uh, IMOs, those uh, independent medical opinions come into play. Um, because if you're submitting a claim and, and uh, you know, they might have a little bit of problem drawing that link or getting that nexus, you have that IMO right there, right there to to provide that evidence to them. So it saves a lot of time. Absolutely. Definitely. So an IMO is an independent medical opinion. Only come from a medical professional with a proper license. So that is why um, it's good to know what kind of information you're going for, what you're looking for, where to go, go get it. So get with the coach. Let's keep moving on, Daryl. What's the next step? Uh, so once your file is, once the VSR is deemed your file is all ready for the rating board, um, what happens What happens then, and it might, might seem a little awkward or a little strange, but once the VSR takes an action on your claim, it goes back up into the cloud, okay? Um, which helps with the station timing queue requirements. So then it comes back down. Once you've said it's ready, you mark it. You actually, you actually go into the VBMS system and you mark it RFD or ready for decision, all right? It goes up to the cloud. Now, it, when it comes back down, it'll come back down to a rating specialist. Now, once again, your claim could have had a VSR from, okay, let's try to follow along with this. You could live in New York. You can have a VSR from California, do the development on your claim, market RFD. Now, you can have a rating specialist from Minnesota rating your claim. All right, which it's a good thing because it's that checks and balances system again, okay? So it's not just one station doing it all the way across. Now that RVSR can check over that VSR's work from another station and make sure it's all correct, all right? Okay. So um, in some cases, they may need to request an examination, which the RVSR, according to the manual, the M21-1MR, uh, the, the RVSR does have that ability to do that and should do it on certain claims, specialty claims, but outside of that. Um, so your claim's ready for decision. It's brought down to a rating specialist. Now that rating specialist will take all of that information that that VSR put together. Um, we'll, we'll look at, they'll look at your private treatment records. They'll review them. They'll review your, your outpatient treatment records from the VA, um, medical examination, your CMP examination, your IMO if you submitted one, all right, they'll take all that information, then they'll apply law, um, you know, because there's there's a lot of law changes throughout the VA. Um, they'll apply law, they'll look at the rating schedule, they'll read the documentation, the, the CMP examination, and the culmination of all that information, um, they have a system that's called VBMSR, which is Veterans Benefit um, Management System. R is for rating, okay? They'll take that information and they'll put it into that VBMSR system. And that VBMR system will give them a suggestion on what percentage that veteran should get. Okay. And in some cases, it's pretty solid. That's what they get. Um, but on other cases, for example, mental health conditions, they do have a little uh, flexibility on where they can go with it um, by reviewing the entire folder. Okay. Okay. So you said they're going to apply law. Um, so you're saying that they're going to use the evidence and apply law to the evidence, like make it work? Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So you want, so basically you want an independent medical opinion to come from a medical professional who is knowledgeable of the law. Would that be the wisest thing to do? Uh, a medical professional? No, you don't need to have a, me a medical professional just familiar with, with. Um, and basically they fill out the, the DBQ, the Disability Benefits Questionnaire. Uh -huh. um, and the IMOs, the IMOs kind of follow that same. So 
What you want from a medical professional is purely the medical opinion backed up by research. And yeah, I mean, there, there are some laws that, that apply with, with medical, you know, obviously, but you want to have that, you want to have that established, right? In, in the IMO, I mean, they can refer that's to what makes it. That's what makes it independent. Right. Got it. Okay. Right. All right. Let's keep going. <laughs> so, um, you got... You got, you got your claim in the hands of a raider. All right, looked at your evidence. Now, is it time for that, that uh, ultimate exam? Like the final, the one that determines the rest of your grade? Hopefully by the time the, the rating specialist gets the, the, the paperwork. Mm -hmm. Now, like I said, mo most stations, the VSR, the veteran service representative will request those examinations. So they're there when the rating board gets it. Um, there are some cases like specialty exams, eyes, uh, throat, you know, some, some specialty examinations that the RVSR should be requesting um, or complex exams that the RVSR should be requesting. But ultimately, and, and um, ultimately by the time it gets to the rating board, you would hope that you would have all that evidence um, ready for the decision. Uh, um, unfortunately, in some cases, uh, it has to be sent back. Either it has to be sent back to the VSR for more development. Um, for example, let's say you, you submit all your claim, you've got everything there, and you do some late flow mail and you're submitting another claim. You submit another 526EZ. That information that you just submitted can delay your claim and send it back to the VSR for development. Okay. And that's why we always say it's best just to do one or two issues at a time, right. wait for those to be done, and then then continue on because um, right. you don't want to delay the claim. I I always say let's just stick to one thing at a time. I think it's easier for the veteran to keep track of and to move it quicker because when you're just focusing on one thing, it's like two weeks, that's it. And they're just like, that's all? I'm like, yeah, man, that's all you got to do. Let's go on ahead and get the next rating. <laughs> right. Yeah. So on top of that, the RVSR, when they get one of those claims that's multiple issue like that, and trust me, they're out there. Well, we talked yesterday, you and I did. Mm -hmm. I had I had a I had a veteran submit a claim that had eight hundred issues. Eight hundred issues. And all they did was open up a medical book and went A to Z and submitted everything. Now that is the ultimate in spray and pray. That's the ultimate in shotgun effect. Um, I was able, it took me hours to do it, but I was able to actually narrow it down to 365 issues. I feel like I'm really stressed from hearing that story. Like, I gotta do some. <laughs> it, 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 I'll tell you what, when, but when you get those claims, you know, when you see those claims, um, so the way, the way everything works in the VA is off a point system, okay? You get so many points for doing this, you get so many points for doing this, you get so many points for doing this. And at the end of the day, you have to equate to X amount of points in order to make what's called your production. All right. So in a situation like that, people would put that claim off, work that claim on overtime rather than trying to work it on during during the regular business day. So now you've just delayed your claim even longer. Right. Um, I've also known some and this is going to sound really bad, but I've also known some people uh, who have intentionally move that claim out of their queue so they didn't have to work it. All right. And the way they do that. So the VA has a policy um, with rating. You can't defer an issue and deny everything else. So if you defer an issue and you can't grant anything, you have to send that entire file back. So <laughs> it happens. I mean, it happens a lot, but yeah, um, yeah um, we do. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to kind of interrupt here. Stephen, well, you can ask questions um, in uh, in the chat right there. Uh, we do have people watching to try to get, uh, you know, to try to answer those questions. If we don't get to it, we'll get to them at the end for sure, okay? So sorry, sorry about that. I just saw a comment there, like 365 issues, too much? <laughs> just, too much. Just, just a little bit. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so you want to if you keep it to one or two issues, the Raiders love those. They just suck those up and and you know some of them some of them turn into more than more than one issue. Diabetes mellitus, for example, for Vietnam veterans, that can turn into a plethora of issues. But they get they get in there, you know, they get seen, they get done, they get adjudicated, and they get sent out. You know what I mean? It's just that it's that rapid. But uh, the v, RVSRs love working those, especially especially hearing loss tinnitus. Oh, hearing loss tinnitus. Back back when I started working for the VA, we had paper files. And the hearing loss tinnitus claims were usually those real small paper files. So it was like, hey, give me all of those. Um, you know, we had cubicles with files stacked up all around us. It looked like a big wall. Um, so going to that electronic system was the best thing the VA has ever done, honestly. But those hearing loss tinnitus claims, PTSD claims, uh, any kind of mental health claim, those are huge because those move real quick. Um, yeah, it's it's awesome. Well, that's nice. PTSD or mental health claim, those are you know one of the the highest average um, ratings. And honestly, I feel like the most important claim to file. Um, so awesome! I'm so glad that that's easy and quick for raiders to um go on ahead and get those benefits given to the to the veterans that definitely deserve them and need them all right so we got the raider and uh already looking at your file please keep going daryl please keep going all right so the raiders looking at your file and this goes back to especially with mental health claims this goes back to that 0781 or 0781a um, making sure you have those filled out in, in, a, in the mental health aspect, because then the BSR can actually do the development on those and verify your stressor, which helps the claim move faster. So uh, I'll get off of that. I'll get off of that. Um, so now the RVSR has your claim. The RVSR makes a decision on your claim. Um, from there, after they make that decision, it goes back up to the national work queue. All right. Back up to the cloud. And then, um, when the post development team or the adjudicators, it comes back down and it hits one of the or it goes into one of the adjudicators' files, okay, or, or their queues, into their work queue. All right. So now what the adjudicator does is the adjudicator will look at what the RVSR has, it'll look at effective date, it'll look at the percentage for the rating decision, they'll look at um they'll, they'll look at all basically the whole file, okay? And they'll say, okay, yes, the rating decision looks correct. The effective date looks correct. Everything looks correct. And then they'll adjudicate the claim, which means they'll they'll finalize the claim. OK, um, once they finalize the claim, if it's a grant, then I mean, obviously, if there's a change in your disability amount, you're going to see money in your account or, you gonna, you know, um, either way, they're the ones that that statement that you get or that letter that you get. They're the ones that that put that letter out to you. That's the grant or denial letter. <clears throat> So they're the ones you love. Hopefully. They're the ones you love? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're the ones I love hearing from. <laughs> yeah. Well, for most cases, yeah. Yeah, most cases. <laughs> the good cases. Good <laughs> cases. Yeah, the ones that. So when a raider gets a claim, let's recap. What are the first three things that a raider looks for in a claim? They're going to look to make sure that the CMP exam is, is complete. Um, you know, if you're going for musculoskeletal condition, that all the range of motion findings are there. Okay. They're going to look for that nexus statement if if it's required. They're going to look for that nexus statement saying it's what they look for is it saying it's at least as likely as not, um, more likely than not. Those are grants. If it, if it says less likely than not, or without resorting to mere speculation, those are denials. Okay, so they're looking for that either grant or denial on that CMP examination. Okay. All right. One more. Oh, one more? And they're looking to make sure you spelled your name correct. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <clears throat> they're making sure that the, that all evidence is complete. For example, uh, service treatment records, you have the entire period of service, and some veterans have multiple periods of service, so you got to make sure all those service treatment records are there. Uh, they're looking to make sure that that all uh, basically it's 3.159 uh, duty to assist. Mm -hmm. They're looking to make sure that that the duty to assist has been fulfilled. Um, we've gone after private treatment records so many times. You're, you're going after federal treatment or federal records so many times. Well, actually, you have to go until you receive a negative response on federal, federal records. Um, so they're just making sure that the file is complete. Awesome. <sighs> 
All right. Here's a great question that I always want to share with my veterans. Um, what's the ultimate factor that influences the Raiders' decision to issue a C&P exam? What is the ultimate? Yeah, how does it, okay. How does a veteran ensure that he or she gets a CMP exam? Solid, solid information. Um, know what's in your service treatment records, okay? Um, know what conditions can be potentially secondary to already service-connected conditions, all right? Know the rating schedule. Know that tinnitus is only 10%, that you're not going you know, you, you're not going to go any higher than that 10%. Okay. Um, basically know what you're eligible for. Okay. And if you don't know what you're eligible for, just like you said earlier, uh, get in touch with the company, reach out to a coach, get that information. Um, the coaches in this company are very well versed on what they can do and what they can't do. All right. How to get a Nexus letter, Rob Taylor, they can tell you how to get a Nexus letter. Um, you know, they can they can provide you with all that information. So and uh, I know that Eric just put up the, the link for membership on the screen. OK, um, so that that information is important. Right. Well, I kind of want to address um, a little bit what I was asking earlier, because I don't I don't know if I made it clear, but because somebody just asked. I'm in the VA system and see a primary psychiatrist and psychologist. So remember earlier when we were speaking about independent medical opinion, if you are in the VA system, the VA cannot make an independent medical opinion because the VA knows the VA's laws. So you have to seek um, that nexus statement from an outside source. So you do want an independent medical opinion and like Daryl just said, um, a coach can definitely guide you in that direction to help you figure out where to go get that independent medical opinion. Yeah, the VA won't do it because they consider it a conflict of interest. So, right. so they 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 won't do it for you. Um, yeah. So great point, Mary. Awesome. Yeah. So let's keep going. Um, what information um, does a Raider look for in a CMP exam? Okay. That rating. Yeah. So like I said before, if it's a musculoskeletal, mm -hmm. they're going to look for range of motion findings. Okay. And, um, you know, if it's a back, it's just the back. If it's the cervical spine, the neck, it's just the neck. But now if it's, if it's like legs, knees, ankles, wrists, um, they're going to look for range of motion findings on both sides. Okay. So it gives them that, it gives them that, uh, point of reference, essentially. All right, so they're gonna look for all the range of motion findings. Uh, hearing loss, tinnitus, they're gonna look for the decibels, where you're at as far as the hearing loss goes. Tinnitus, they're gonna look for whether, whether your ringing in the ears was a product of service, um, which would be the nexus that the doctor provides. Um, uh, let me see what else. Mental health conditions, they're gonna look for those symptoms to make sure the symptoms are all marked off, um, the, the appropriate ones. They're going to look for that nexus. All right. They're going to look for the diagnosis. Number one, um, you know, if, if and with mental health, it doesn't I don't want to say it doesn't matter the diagnosis because it's all the same symptoms. But don't get hung up on the diagnosis because they're, they're all rated the same way under the same symptoms. So mm -hmm. a 70 percent for PTSD is still a 70 percent for major depressive disorder or, a, you know what I mean? It's it's still the same way. Um, so they're going to look for that information, the core of information that they need. Um, they're going to make sure that the DBQ is filled out completely. Okay. Can you um, tell me what DBQ stands for? What's that? What does DBQ stand for? Uh, Disability Benefits Questionnaire. Okay. And by the way, the VA did, and I saw a question in chat earlier, but the VA did. Originally, you were allowed to you, you were allowed to submit the DBQs as evidence as part of a fully developed claim. Um, then they went away from it, and now they're bringing it back. So, so um, you can you can use DBQs now. I would I would advise you though that if you're going to use a DBQ, um, 
if you're going to use a DBQ to make sure it's filled out correctly, most doctors are not versed on how to fill out DBQs. So, um, you know, it can be, it can be that slippery slope that you get into with, you know, having your, your general practitioner fill out a DBQ for you for a condition. Right. Okay. So let's get, let's, let's loosen up a little bit. We just got a whole bunch of knowledge that was dropped on us. <laughs> feel like that was awesome. That was awesome, Daryl. I feel like I know now what happens when the veterans press submit, you know, because <clears throat> I'm not a veteran. I've never um, pressed that button. Um, and uh, and so I'm like, well, I've, I've just assumed it goes up to the cloud, drops in somebody's desk. And then <laughs> so to actually know, like, the terms VSR, RVSR, and when to use them. I think that's pretty cool. You know, I, I know a little bit more about the insides. So thank you so much for sharing that. Um, but, oh, did you have something to say? Yeah, I just wanted to say too, for those of you who follow eBenefits, so if you see that it's that's they're ready to make a decision, then you see it jump back to a stage prior. It's usually because either the RVSR, well, let's go. It's usually either because the adjudicator had to send it back to the rating specialist to have a change made. Or it's with a, the rating specialist has to send it back to the veteran service representative for more development. So that that's why you see it jumping backwards in, in e-benefits. But like I said before, I'm not a huge fan of e-benefits. So I just you know, <laughs> take it for what it's worth. Right. So what raters eyebrow raise like when looking at claims? One of the big things, if you're if you're claiming something that that you are not entitled to, for example, I've had veterans from the 90s and from the 2000s uh, who never served in Vietnam or around Agent Orange file for Agent Agent Orange exposure. All right. So, or one of the better ones would be mustard gas exposure. And mustard gas, the last time they used mustard gas was World War One. So. I'm pretty sure we don't have any WW1s, you know, the war to end all wars. We didn't have, we don't have any of those veterans left. So, okay. um, so if you're going to file a claim, file it with, for, and that's, that's why it's important you get with somebody who's in the know, um, file a claim for benefits that, that you're going to potentially win. Okay. Um, don't file for things that are definitely going to be a denial as part of that shotgun effect, because you're just, honestly, you're just taking the time from another veteran who's, waiting for their decision to be made. That's not true. Let me to my next question. What was your slowest claim? Like how long did it take for you to rate your slowest claim that you ever received as a rater? Well, like I, like I said earlier, it was that 800 issue claim. Yeah. And I actually, I, I actually took it as a challenge to rate it, but I was unable to rate it because Unfortunately, most of the issues were deferred and uh, needed more development, essentially. So I, I had to return the entire file. But, you know, um, I, I've, I've rated 25 issue claims. Um, I've, I've uh, you know, you name it. How long did you that issue claim for 365? What did you say? I spent hours on that 365-issue claim, hours and hours and hours and hours. And if, if the veteran would have been more specific, you know, on what they're claiming and maybe just hit a couple of things at a time, it would have moved their claim through the system a lot quicker and they would have got decisions on decisions on decisions. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. I'm curious, did you take it as a challenge because you really wanted to see what you could get that veteran rated for? Yeah, absolutely. And, and see, that's one of the big misnomers with the VA you know, there are some, just like any other job, there's some people out there who are just doing it for a paycheck. You know, that, that, that's all honesty. There's just people doing it for a paycheck. Um, and you can see that through the regional offices. Um, but there are other people out there who truly do care about the veteran and, and are trying to get the veteran, trying to figure out ways that they can get the veteran um, either the help they need or the service connection they deserve. Um, unfortunately, it's, it's, uh, it doesn't seem that way across the board. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, different law changes that come down from Congress or or regional office policies and stuff like that. So it's it's not necessarily in the hands of, you know, one of one of my biggest issues as a rating specialist is I saw 
God, if you just had this link, if you just had this piece of paper, if you just had this evidence, you'd get service connected. But as a rating specialist, um, there were not many times that you could reach out to that veteran and say, hey, do you have this? Just submit this. I'm going to service connect you. You know what I mean? So it's it's a. Uh, it's unfortunate. And that's why I'm happy to be here because now I can take that knowledge and I can tell that veteran, Hey, all you need is that nexus statement. All you need is that. And, and a lot of that information, the, the RVSR's way of telling you what you need is all in that rating. It's in that rating decision and code sheet that you have to call and ask them to email it to you. But it's, it's right there. It tells you what you need. This is what you need to be, to be granted essentially. <clears throat> Right. Wow. But, you know, I, I'm glad that you said that because sometimes I, I paint the picture of the VA because to me, it's like when I hear veterans and I hear about how long they've been working with the VA, 20 years trying to get their rating up. I, I kind of paint the picture of a bad guy, you know, mm -hmm. but like you said, there are some good people like you, Daryl, who was taking the time to actually try and figure out how can I really rate this person? Um, but yeah, like you said, we're here now. Please spread the word, you know, to your to your veteran friends that there's people out there that are looking out for veterans, and uh, and there are good, great people out here. And uh, the coaches on on VACI, we're all here looking for looking out for y'all. We want the best for y'all. We're gonna guide you in the right direction. Drop some knowledge anytime you're in our presence. Uh, and drop some wisdom, man. So many powerful things going on in the company right now um, within our community. So get involved. Absolutely, coffee with the coaches in the morning, the classes that are provided, the uh, the the YouTube that's provided, Facebook that's provided. I mean, it. When I decided to come, you know, when I decided to apply for this to work for this company, I I did my research. I looked at it and I was like, wow. You know, you're talking, you know, and I'm just going to put in a little plug. You're talking over a 90% success rate of getting a, a 30% disability or higher, a raise. I mean, that's, to me, that's phenomenal. That's changing lives. Now, Mary, real quick, let's talk. <laughs> she lost control. <laughs> let's talk about what happens when you're denied, Okay. And I've been seeing some some conversation in the chat about it. So if you do receive that denial letter, um, now with the AMA, the Appeals Modernization Act, you have several routes you can go, all right? And I've heard it say that the appeal route is where claims go to die. And I tend to agree with that. You have other options. You have higher level review, HLR, which is taking the evidence you've already submitted but you know that it wasn't used or, or you know, you have a good IMO that gives a proper nexus and gives you everything you need. That higher level review is going to get a, somebody who's a more experienced, um, used to be called decision review officers, handled all the appeals. Um, but now you're going to get, now you're going to get those people above the radar who have more experience looking at your claim. And we've actually had a lot of success with higher level reviews as a company. Um, so if you don't have that, and you need to get a nexus or you need to get something, you need, you, you, you get that, you do that supplemental claim, okay, where you can submit new evidence and you get that new evidence submitted and move that claim along. And, and that's where that rating decision comes in handy because you can see what that new evidence is that you need. Awesome. All right. Yeah. yeah. Supplemental. The fight's never over, right? We always say oh. the fight's never over until you stop fighting. Um, or until you get that 100% in P&T, which we, I love getting good news about those. And uh, that's another reason why I love working with VACI. It's like every single day I get good news and I can celebrate every single day about somebody's life being changed um, because that's, that's what's going on. All right. Were there any other questions in the chat? I have, I have, I know this has been so much fun. I've just, I've just kind of lost track of time, but you know, um, if it's all right with Eric, if we don't have to, you know, we can, we can answer some questions. We don't necessarily have to stop at noon, um, central standard time. I'm all for it. All right. Whatever. <laughs> all right. Is it okay to file a medical condition that was found outside of service that was caused by being in the service 
but wasn't notated while in? Um, blanket answer would be yes. Um, it is okay, um, especially if you can if you can relate it to an already service connected condition. That would be your best bet, um, or a presumptive condition. If you have a presumptive condition from either Gulf War, um, Afghanistan, Vietnam, um, you know, one of those presumptive conditions, then absolutely. It's all about it's all about that nexus. All right. <laughs> Oh, we were speaking a little bit about HLR and supplemental. And I also just want to remind everybody that we offer classes to go a little bit more into depth on HLR supplemental, even filing your claim on a VACI or get in, get in touch with your coach and uh, you can find out more information about the classes. And uh but we do offer classes to offer more information about each step of the way, which I absolutely love. And at every single one of these classes, I always learn something new. Because the veterans get to talk. They get to share their experiences, share their knowledge with us, and they're wise. So I always learn something new. Uh, Danny Hilliard, uh, I have a CMP exam for hearing loss, but not for tinnitus and was denied tinnitus. They said not service connect, but never sent me a denial letter for it explaining why they. All right. So with hearing loss, a claim for hearing loss, as far as the VA is concerned, a claim for hearing loss is also a claim for tinnitus. So when they do the examination, when the audiologist does the examination, they're going to do both, uh, whether you've claimed tinnitus or not. Um, what I'm really surprised about is that uh, they didn't address it in the denial letter. Um, that is definitely an error. If they're going to deny it and you and you know you're denied for it, they have to explain to you why you're denied. Um, so that would be a good one for either a higher. Well, actually, that would be a good a good subject case for a, a, a either a higher level review or a supplemental claim. If you can do a supplemental claim and provide that evidence showing that you have it and showing that it's connected to service, that would be the best way to go with it. Honestly. Um, yeah, that's 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 how I would handle it. Okay, so I question. If I lost my claims denial letter from years ago, how do I go about getting that if I don't know the dates of the claim? Does he need to know the dates? No, in all, all actuality, Eric Reese just put out a uh, just put out an, an a message, and I believe he did it on Facebook, um, where you can go. And you can request right now. You can request your service treatment records through, uh, or actually, you can request your your complete file, your your C file or claims file from the VA, and it's down to six to eight weeks now. Um, and that'll have your denial letter. That'll have your um, all your stuff. It's CMP exams. It'll have everything but the routing slips from where where your claim has been moved around. Um, and I'm trying to think of what that form was. I wrote it down. Oh, they did. What's that? They already posted it in the chat. Oh, right on, right on. Yes, let's check out the chat. J.R. Ewing, we just answered that. <laughs> All right. Hey, Frank, who's one of our regulars on Coffee with the Coaches in the Morning, he had a question, too, about what happens if the VA can't receive your or doesn't have your service treatment records. Um, unfortunately, uh, you know, in 1973, there was a fire in the National Archives at the Records Management Center in St. Louis. Um, and um, there were a lot of files that were destroyed. For example, uh, it was uh, all, all Army veterans up till that point, And it was um, Air Force veterans, A through Hubbard, were destroyed. So sometimes they don't have those. But there are still ways around that. Um, you know, one of the simple ways to start with would be doing a hearing loss claim and getting that hearing loss tinnitus, which they can do just based on your your, your MOS and uh, get things rolling that way. Um, they do, when they when they request your records, they have to wait till they get a negative response, but they do flag the system. So if any records show up during that time, then they can, they can match those up or pair those up. Um, and then your claim can be reconsidered at a later date. Uh, what I would suggest if we have any new veterans that are on the call right now or people who are going to be getting out is to get a copy, get a copy of those service treatment records and at least have a copy on hand. That way you have them. OK, and you can look through them and it 
that's the best guide you can have. Okay. You know, I was seen for my knee in service. My knee hurts me now. Let's, let's get a claim going for that. All right. All right. All right. Do you want to go really quickly into this? Just give a, like a quick answer. What is the difference between an appeal and a supplemental claim? Uh, an appeal, especially if you're talking legacy appeals, uh, legacy appeals are those ones that take uh, forever. They're the ones that are out there three, four, five years. You know what I mean? Uh, so an appeal now, basically, you go through the system and you're able to sit in front of the BVA or the Board of Veterans Appeals and see a judge and, and um, talk about your claim, essentially. Um, but just know that once a judge makes a decision on a claim, pretty much final. All right. Now, a supplemental claim, you're able to uh, you're able to uh, submit new medical evidence and and get that medical evidence that you need or whatever that nexus statement that you were missing. All right. And that's why they changed it. So now you have that higher level review, too. If you know that you've submitted that evidence and it wasn't considered, that's that higher level review comes into play. And I do want to say one other thing about higher level reviews. If you have an IMO saying that you're 70% for a medical or mental condition or or 30% for another condition and the VA comes back and they underrate you, you can still do an HLR for that condition and say, look, I submitted credible medical evidence showing I'm at this percentage, but you only gave me this percentage. Okay. All but they right. all are supplemental higher level review and the appeals. They're all types of appeals. Perfect. Thank you so much, Carol. That was awesome. I learned so much from you. Anytime that you speak, I'm always learning. And I'm I'm pretty sure a lot of the people watching have learned so much as well. The greatest part about this company though is I am I am I am not the exception. There's there's you know what I mean, everybody in the company, I learn things every day. Uh, from veterans and from from fellow uh, my peers. I learn things every day and it's just awesome. Exactly. It's so awesome to be a part of it. It really is. Um, everybody, everybody watching, if we didn't get to your questions, please send us a message on Facebook and someone will answer you. So please, please stay engaged with us. Sign up for a coach if you need some guidance. Um, but also take advantage of all the free resources that the company has offered you and uh, take advantage of the community too that we offer because the community is really what makes everything worth it all. So um, thank you so much, Daryl, for everything, for all of the knowledge for that you have shared with us today. And um, thank you to all of our service members. Who George have Jones doesn't want us to leave. No, <laughs> I can't take it anymore. I need some tea. <laughs> Hey, um, you know, once once you be once you become an elite member, you you have access to a lot of stuff that will answer a lot of questions. Um, don't don't hesitate to reach out on Facebook. Uh, if you're a member, reach out on Facebook or reach out on the mastery group. Uh, there's a plethora of, of other veterans out there who are going through the same thing you're going through or something similar. Um, so they they're you know, there's there's good wisdom out there. Plus, uh, they're monitored. Coaches are on there. Um, senior veteran coaches like myself are on there. Um, all all kinds of all kinds of good information out there. Um, if the DBQ examiner did not check mark the box and put it in the remark section, um, typically what would happen is the uh, the the RVSR would send it back to the um, to the CMP examiner to get uh, to get verification or to get. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, to make sure that that box gets marked, okay? So that's that would that's where that delay comes in, and the and the rating specialist goes back to the CMP examiners quite often because they forget to mark stuff. So um, it's got to be marked in the box. It can be written in this in the section, but once again, that all depends on what rating specialist you get, and um, you know, unfortunately. All right, thank you, Mary. I enjoyed the time. And I'm still drinking coffee. I need to go. You wore me out. All this knowledge. I gotta go rest my head. <laughs> All right. Well, I just hope everybody um, feels more confident about pressing that submit button, um, and we'll get the rating that they deserve once they do, which I'm sure they will. Because remember, the fight's not over until you stop, or until you reach that 100% PNT if you deserve it.
Don't stop. Don't stop. The VA will give in before you do. Don't stop. <laughs> All right.